Good morning, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of My Mind, My Funk Show. My name is Sitao Wapula, and I am your host. Today, we'll be talking about African men and their mental well-being. But before we get into that, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself and the show. I have been doing mental health advocacy for the last 10 years, and my work has been around information provision as well as providing linkages to support systems. Um, recently, we started doing mental health services, working with mental health service providers, so mental health champions from Africa, providing them with skills, resources, as well as community. And so if you are just joining the mental health workforce, either as a student, as a social entrepreneur, or if you've been in the workforce for some time and you'd like to upgrade your skills, get into social innovation or entrepreneurship, be sure to reach out to me. My email address is sitawa at mymindmyfunk, F-U-N-K. I have to spell that all the time because people think, so what are you promoting? It's Sitawa at my mind, my funk, nk.org. And this show is one of the ways we provide information. And what we do is work with um, people. Sorry, we don't work with, but we have conversations with people from across Africa and Africans across the diaspora just to hear what their life journeys have been, how they've handled their mental health. Uh, challenges and struggles and how to come victorious on the other side. What we aim to do is to make mental health conversations, everyday conversations in African households. And today with me on the show is someone I've known for, I think I've known you for around a good 10 years because I'm thinking when I yes, said poetry in Nairobi, right? Yes, we first met in 2012. Ooh, you have the year. Okay, it's our 10-year anniversary party. <laughs> yes, yes, so, uh, today with me on the show is Onyango Otieno, better known as Rick Spoyet. Or is it Rick, Rick Spoyet better known as Onyango Otieno? Please update me. <laughs> Actually, it both goes. Like, it both goes. Like, okay. Onyango Otieno better known as Rick, Rick better known as Onyango Otieno. Okay, okay. And you know for the longest time I didn't know your name. <laughs> I, I just knew I know. Rick. I knew as Rick. That happens with artists, like you never know the guy's name. <laughs> I, know. Yeah, I don't know what year, um, I remember who'd passed on. Nyach, or somebody in the arts industry? Yeah, he used to do the Nyachichi. Oh, that's somebody else. Uh, that's recently. Yeah, and and he used to do it at Kwani because I remember I met, I met him at Kwani. That Grand Masese. Yes, Grand Masese. Yes. So someone told me his real name. Oh so yeah. They told me this person has passed on, and I'm like, I do not yeah. know who that is. Yeah. And like, but you used to do because I used to do also my poetry at Kwani at times, and mm-hmm. you're like, he used to do Kwani together, and I'm like, I I I know people we used to do poetry with, but I don't think I've ever worked with some. Was he like in production? You know, if, if someone is behind the scenes, you don't know all the people who are setting up the mics or things like that. No, he's like, no, 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 no. He used to play this really big instrument. I'm thinking, who's that? And then we went through, like, we went through our mental catalogs and then 
Why did you say that in the first place? Because <laughs> oh my god, so and so, 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 so. And then it hit me. Oh, that's who you're talking about. Yeah, so. We lost yeah. my sense a couple of months ago. Um, just a week after he had a show at the village market here, actually. It was. all the artists that um, we've lost along the way and uh, we send love and light to his family and the families of all the artists that we've lost and um, send love and light to everyone who's an artist and um, yeah. <sighs> okay, let's get to today's show. Um, so this, for everyone listening, this is more me and Rick's catching up, but you're yeah. all uh, you're all invited to eavesdrop to our conversation. But as usual, we'll just be talking about mental health. We'll learn what his journey has been, especially on the mental health side. But he's free to tell us about his poetry work and um, what shows he's doing next. If he's doing anything next, uh, where we can catch him and all those things. So, formal introduction, tell us who you are and where you're from. My name is Onyango Otieno, uh-huh. from, also known as Ricks or Ricks Poets. I am a writer. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a writer, I'm a poet, I'm a mental health activist, I am a trauma coach, I am a, a storyteller as well. I I facilitate um, workshops on uh, digital uh, storytelling and campaigning for social justice campaigns. Um, what else? I operate a safe space for sexually abused boys and African boys and men. Um, um, I also operate a, a virtual safe space for um, uh, people living with mental health conditions and uh, people who are looking to know about mental health. Uh, it's like a two or three groups of 100 people each. Um, what else? Uh, I, I, am, I am a musical lover. I dance a lot. I love dancing. Um, and I love food. And I love being African. I'm so many things to tell. That's a man. <laughs> Which is good. Um, one of my favorite poets, and I think I've quoted her over and over again on this show. Um, her name is Faisian Chin. She's Jamaican. Yes. Mad respect, always. Yes, yes, yes. So in in one of her pieces, she says, I come in too many flavors to fit in, in one spoon. And so you just going through all the many things you do is is you come in and showing us all the flavors you come in. So thank you, thank yes. you for being here. And you've mentioned a couple of things that I'd like you to tell us what they mean. So you've talked about being a trauma coach. So what's what's that? Right. So basically, I support people who suspect that uh, especially ha- are living with uh, childhood trauma and they don't know where to start to just interrogate themselves to go back to understand their stories um, and uh, to sort of guide them through um, 
with resources and conversations and sometimes what we call somatic experiencing which is like involving the body in um you know navigating trauma so that's in in a nutshell and very simple non scientific words that's that's what it is okay okay and towards the tail end of the show you'll tell us where to find you if someone wants to work with you how they can reach out but we'll we'll talk about that towards the end of the show um and and you also tell us a little bit about the safe spaces that you run but if you follow or stalk him on social media you can see all his dancing so, so that, that's out there in the world for you to see um, especially his IG you get to see um, some of his moves so uh, be sure to to join him there uh, follow him do not stalk him follow him um there's good things for you out there yeah so for people listening in and um and and you've mentioned african men and african boys being part of the groups that you serve with the six species uh where exactly in africa are you oh right i am born and raised in nairobi kenya the best place on earth <laughs> tell <laughs> us what makes nairobi i know a lot of things that make Nairobi good but tell us what makes Nairobi well good. among 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 the things that i really love about the city it's um the the art in our public um transport like i haven't seen in of course the places i've gone outside kenya that look like it you know and we have the music in it and it's it's just amazing can be loud so loud sometimes depending on where you are yeah. but it's a spectacle just walking in town and seeing all this graffiti in in public uh buses it's that's just it's amazing um i feel like um right now we are just slowly starting to embrace uh, graffiti on buildings in in the city and that's that's looking pretty good especially now that we even have a younger governor who appreciates the arts we hope that uh they will invest a little more yes they will definitely to go in that um and i also love nairobi for mutura <laughs> I don't know how to explain mutura in english it's our help me it's an african sausage full stop <laughs> <laughs> i had i had someone from uganda on the show and she told me about something in uganda called a rolex rolex so, yes you know what that is Ooh. Oh, okay, okay. So <laughs> normally when people say food, I expect them to talk about something way out there, but then it's this little things that just are very close to the heart. So Motura is one of those things. It's oh, one of those yeah. little things very close to the heart. Um I don't know how to define it. Like it's an African sausage. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best we can do. <laughs> yes. Okay, so now that we know your title or your titles and we know where you're from, uh would like you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, from your introduction you said um a lot of things that you mentioned show that you work in the mental health space so um what is that entry way that got you to get into mental health 
Yes, that's an interesting question. I've never told you this, but you're the first person ever who made me aware of that term. Mental. And this is back in, uh, I think, 2013, 2014, thereabout. It didn't stick in my head mm-hmm. until perhaps three years later when I went through my own episode. Um, and this is now late 2016. I remember, maybe you may not remember, but I think either 2015 or 2016, um, we hosted you at Fatuma's Voice, the event I mm-hmm. used to run in. Uh, and we did a mental health thing and that was the last time I spoke about mental health knowingly mm-hmm. probably before starting to do advocacy work mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. so late 2016 actually Fatuma's Voice was the organization I was running at the time we were having a lot of issues and um, I was, I was, it was just hard for us to see a future mm-hmm. and um, I mean, some organizational challenges that were really big for us because we didn't have the technical know-how of how to tackle them. And then I was coming off a very uh, unhealthy situationship, not even a full swing relationship since I was you. We've been there. <laughs> <laughs> we are the worst. You know? When you think you are, but you really aren't, yeah, but, but you're someone's are. I'm telling you, crazy, crazy, crazy. And um, I remember how depression was actually creeping into me, but I couldn't put a finger to it because I I could feel something is coming that is not, it, it was very unlike me and I could not put a name to it. So... I, I remember starting to struggle to do my dishes and uh, at the time where I lived was very far away from where my community of friends was and I really felt isolated and here comes the event, the organization that's really going down uh, the situation was also grappling my emotions down um, there was so much chaos in my home like with my parents as well so the bow just broke at some point so I remember remember early January 2017 this one day I'm coming home and feeling so actually a little background as well was um, we had lost two artists uh, in quick succession people who are our peers and I, I was working with uh, one of them died by suicide and the other died of uh, low blood pressure and they were really young folk so I remember one day one of those days in January uh, 2017, I was coming back home from some work meeting and um, the work meeting hadn't gone very, very well. Actually, I was being laid off by this person who had given me work and we didn't work for fun. And I felt so hopeless, like, yo, man, what's my future like? What's uh-huh. going to happen? So I came home. I took like a two-hour long shower just letting the water drop and i remember in in that moment asking myself what am i going to do with myself when i get out of this room is life worth living you know i feel like i'm losing the will to live should i throw myself out of this apartment because i was living like on the third floor um should i take myself out in this house uh and you know, is it even proper to, to have these thoughts, you see? 
uh, and so as it was before with me writing often came to my channel of meaning or just expression and i actually left the bathroom wet and naked and i went and i opened my lap <laughs> If you want you can run away now. So I I I know walked up to my laptop and I I felt like if I don't get this thing out right now something I could do something about myself. So I opened my laptop really quickly and I got onto Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, this was 18th of January 2013 I think it was a Thursday and I wrote I actually wrote like yo from today I feel suicidal and this and this and this is happening to me I don't even know what to do more often than not I'm seen as a person who offers answers and is strong and and all this stuff but I'm down today I'm down and I don't know what to do mm-hmm. and so I mean the first thing wasn't even to call my friends really I just in that really mo- very moment I just wanted to get that thing out mm. you know mm. yes I just needed to get something out and my facebook page was there and I just wrote it I didn't even think through it now that I I was not prepared for how that post was going to change my life sitar not prepared so I mean the post goes out and uh, i feel some kind of regulation you know i'm i'm a little bit back and i actually go and i close the, the water in the shower and i you know all myself and and now these emotions come back to me and i realize okay i'm not in a very good place but also this this thing is not very new to me i've been here before mm. this time i want to get to the bottom of things i want to understand where does this thing come from what is it because i'm afraid if it comes back next time it might actually take me down uh uh so i start looking online for stories about feeling suicidal and all that and at the time uh, i could only find white people's stories I couldn't find Kenyan much or African stories around suicide or suicidal thoughts like you couldn't you could barely get any there were no resources no information as much and I I thought to myself okay maybe maybe uh I I need to start documenting you know this thing so that um you know people around us because at the same time so many people were responding to my post on facebook so many posts on both on the comments and and, and in my in my uh, inbox and of course i i received so much um support from friends and strangers mm-hmm. but then in my inbox there was these other people so many of them also saying they were going through this mm-hmm. something I was describing but they didn't have a language for it you see mm-hmm. um and the thing that I usually tell people I was loved out of depression because the moment my friends saw that they knew that I was not okay and um I mean I'm really blessed with this uh, you know I have communities of men who are like we are really close and so this one community of them who are nearly my neighbors as well because we live in the same neighborhood they they came home to check up on what's up 
right? And um, you know, on realizing that I didn't even have a language for what I was going through, they could just tell that I'm, I'm, I wasn't, I wasn't alright. So they they would come home, they would open the curtains for me, they would cook for me, they would wash my house for me, they would do my laundry. Sometimes the only thing I would do would be to wake up and uh, make my bed or just do dishes only, and that was it you see so and then now because they always had to go to work they'd take turns like when somebody comes back in the mm. evening um check up on me spend time with me mm. we, even, we even have like we, we had a dj amongst us who would come and do like live mixes in the house and stuff and it was cool right and so they really cushioned me against the you know the hard hitting thoughts that sometimes mm. can get mm. I, and really know what to do. Um, so now that even get, got me the, gave me the courage to now seek therapy at the time. So now therapy becomes the space that opens a different, a whole different world for me. I was like, what the hell? What is this? And this is that? You need me? Oh, me too. <laughs> All know. India. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, this is a lot. Yeah, but then yeah. it was also very sorry, very liberating because mm-hmm. the first time in my life I could put a name to an experience mm-hmm. that I could, I could recognize. Like, oh my, this is me. This is my dad. This is mom. Mm-hmm. I, I could see people. I could see myself. I could see people. You mm-hmm. know. And now you get across names like PTSD and anxiety mm. and depression and I was like oh I I, I relate yeah. with these things the mm. they have names I didn't even know such a mm. thing and, and they're real almost tangible yeah. things very tangible they were home 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 on my nails like that yeah. <laughs> yeah. I the, the process of accepting that this this is my reality and i i had been writing experiences i had in my childhood uh-huh. by now anytime i'd go to those stories i could see oh this is what i was really responding to uh-huh. this is why i was feeling why what i was feeling this is why i've been struggling in in relationships this is this is who i am this is who i am you know that was really liberating and so i began my advocacy work at the time because again we didn't have so many men in that space and so you know something i didn't even prepare for like i was on tv for other things like my art you know and poetry and what we were doing with Fatuma's voice but now I'm coming as a mental health advocate you see it's a very different dynamic because that's not what people know you for and you're like oh okay there's a different side to this guy what he's he's saying on you know uh-huh. uh, and so it also gave people a chance because I've been telling all these stories even in my poetry people started people especially people who had been following me a long time they started understanding oh so this is what's been going on with him and it's actually been going on with us too mm. you know mm. yes man like it just kept going so I did a little training um, on, uh, on, on uh, mental health and trauma coaching because um, I realized that um, in the context of being an African today, uh, just just an African, and then in the context of being black 
and then in the context of being a man mm, mm. all these layers of identity mm, mm. each of which have different traumatic experiences that we often are very unconscious of and we don't even have the awareness of how to tackle or face um, or go through or navigate those different experiences and those different identities with, with what we are going through. Hmm. And so I said, you know, I am passionate about this because I want people to feel the freedom that I'm feeling from knowing this, like putting a name, putting a, a name hmm. to an experience. Like hmm. that was something just big. But then I also realized, okay, so I can't just stand anywhere in Kenya and talk about depression and expect everybody to understand me. Yes. The word doesn't <laughs> language. You know, yeah. if I start saying complex PTSD, P- what the hell is PTSD? Right? Schizophrenia in Swahili. Like, where do you start? Where do you start? Right? Without saying when there Yeah, exactly. Right? So I, okay, so now I said, okay, so I'm going to tap into the skill that I've honed for all these years, which was storytelling. Mm. Very good in that. I've always been good with that. And so that is where I found myself becoming a bridge in the knowledge and the science, you know. So I understand the technical things, but then now I put in the language that is going to be accessible to my people and my community so that they can understand. You may not have to sit down and uh, to sit down to understand also no schizophrenia and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But then I can tell you what the experience is so that you know, okay, if any of you, any of you, even you yourself are going through something that feels like this, mm-hmm. then you might need to see a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, need is somebody to understand the root of the thing itself you know because their scientific name may not be the most important thing is just knowing okay this thing the way it feels okay this is mm-hmm. who i can talk this is how i can go through it and that mm-hmm. and that and that but at the end of the day you want people to feel better about who they are mm-hmm. so i've been using storytelling to tell to to spread awareness on on mental health and um and masculinity mm-hmm. um Stuff. Um, and yeah, that's that's sort of how I got into the space, and uh, it's been taking me from one place to another. I happened to win um, uh, like a, a mental health fellowship thing uh, that took me to Canada in 2019, and um, I sorry, I no, I I went and visited like mental health clinics, and mm-hmm. you know people living in remote areas during crazy crazy winter and just seeing um the the kind of support systems that they are trying to create and also just seeing maybe for the first time in my life that regardless of the fact that as an african i have been exposed very limitedly to that side of the world, often thinking they have all the answers, but mm-hmm. that wasn't true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, I have a really funny story. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and the, my fellow fellow fellows, mm-hmm. we were 
going to what from that side of the world they call a convenience store. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the supermarket. We are going into this convenience store and there was this uh, white guy who was um, like asking people for change. Mm-hmm. And it's really cold outside as well and uh, this person asked us for, for money mm-hmm. and it becomes the first time in my life the tower that a white person asks you know and i i experienced something new that i still ha- don't have a name for that like mm-hmm. there was just something something that happened to me and i was like man i think i think the world i think the my the entertainment the education i've always had about this part of the world has also been forced by a big margin mm. you know people are struggling everywhere regardless of their mm. race if they are home you'd imagine there's every, every person who looks white is supposed to be okay but no no and then um i i i got some some uh, opportunity opportunity to go to 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 paris in just late that year mm-hmm. and people was just coming in and then i i i remember seeing um because i saw paris having these very old bridges and stuff mm-hmm. like that and there were people living in in tents below these bridges you know um the paris i know the paris of um, i see in movies are on everything is romantic even a problem will not pinch you i'm telling you yeah you know, right and people are just appreciating me and also the people living there that the powers that be have have done a very stellar job in miscommunicating ourselves to each other mm-hmm. you know Mm-hmm. We have ideas of who Africans are. We have ideas of who they are. Um, and even when it comes to mental health, um, here again in the beginning, we often used to think, ah, that's a white man's problem, you know. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like first ah, world, quote unquote, first world problems. Exactly. Eh? Yeah. She does hey. a mababi. Eh, but a new way. ghetto. Even if you wanna, you know. So making people to understand this, our brains are, are have very physical features, and uh, the problems they undergo would also be very similar as a result. Some of them sometimes could be different like for example um I hear like there is a specific mental health condition that uh, people living in uh, snowy areas during the cold where the sun does not come out yeah. there's an experience around that you know mm-hmm. I would definitely not experience that because I come from tropical areas yeah. we almost see sun for 9 to 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 8 months of a year right and there are people who for 6 months the sun you can be seeing it but you you're not feeling it which was yeah. just a miracle to me like what the hell <laughs> you see so, yeah, so i i can almost relate to that um they call it sad seasonal affective disorder and so the yeah. sun by 430 so this is not as extreme as some places but here i know by 430 the sun has already set and i think it's it rises like at around seven-ish and so by six it looks like midnight and it's six so i remember the first days i'd have a class that goes till like 6 37 and would go out and i'm like 
I won't get the bus. It's midnight. How will I get home? And I check it's up at six. So yeah. Um, yeah, that really matters. But I know there are places where um, the sun is just a picture on the sky. Yeah. That's what I tell my brothers. It's a picture on the sky. It doesn't do anything for you. I could not believe that when we go to Toronto and before you get outside the airport, uh, our hosts were telling us you have to wear this jacket. My African mind is like, but the sun is out. What you talking yes, about? Yes, yes. <laughs> and they're like, you have no idea what's waiting for you. You know? <laughs> and you get outside and you're like, what? what is happening? You know, the world is a, it's a weird place. But anyway, so I, I came to learn that um, storytelling was my one easy way that mm-hmm. I would get people to understand this very uh, complex uh, context of uh, mental health conversation mm-hmm. and help them to understand what's really going on inside their heads and inside their bodies. So yeah, that's kind of how I, I got into it. Oh, that's, so first of all, you're a good storyteller. Like, I, I would have wanted you to continue and continue and continue. So this is me saying we might have a part two, part three, part four, part five, yes, all the way uh, until we yes. have a Rick's Voice series on my functions. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But, but thank you so much for taking us through your journey. And I bet anyone listening... Can relate to the different steps as you just opened up the different uh, steps of how you noticed that something was wrong all the way to how your mental health advocacy has grown. I was noting down some things and um, I, I, I really echo what you're saying with regards to storytelling and that's why I have this podcast so that we can continue sharing some of these stories and continue telling our stories. Um, I remember when I started to, it got to a point when I felt, I keep seeing the same thing over and over again. But then when you get that email or that text that someone says, oh, you spoke at this place, I didn't know that's what was happening to me. But when I heard your story, then it made me take the next step. So even you telling me that something I said in 2014 or something um, later resonated with you and then makes me feel, okay, I need to continue doing this. Because sometimes, even if you've done it for some time, um, it feels like, oh, is it making any difference? But then when you hear uh, the impact, then it sort of fuels you to move forward. And not only do we share these stories for ourselves so that we can feel all we're doing things for people, but it's more for the people who are going through it. And, and as you said, we don't have terms or ways to define some of these um things that people go through and unfortunately um, in our context um, and I think this is why as Africans unfortunately we say this is a white man's issue because we we don't really have words or ways to define some of these things so um, if we think about depression a lot of families will say oh you're being lazy as opposed to you know you're going through something and this is the Swahili or the Luya or the Kikuyu or the Zulu or the Yoruba word for it um, and, and when we have words that are almost equivalent they're negative so I know we talked about um, schizophrenia and we said when there was Zimu and that, that, that translates to madness and, and and so someone doesn't wouldn't want to outrightly say, oh, I am going through madness, because then that's putting um, it has already been grouped into a negative place, and 
if you're seeking healing, you want to at least start on either a neutral or a, pla- a, a, a positive platform, not from negativity. And so thank you for just freaking things down. Thank you for sharing yourself and your journey and you and what you went through, but most of all for the work that you do in the space, especially for African men. Because uh, sometimes something, some quote-unquote types of people need to have. So as much as season five is being dedicated to African men, I think African men are best place to talk about African men's experiences. All I can do is offer the platform, but it's the men who need to share their own experience from their own points of view. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So before you go to the next question, yes. I wanna give you I wanna give you your flowers, Sutawa. Okay. Um you you are among the people who opened the door for us to feel at home with sharing our experiences in public. And you are among the first people who came to us as a non-academic, all right? You are just as normal as the all, all of us, you know? Like, we could access you, we would go to an event and meet you and talk to you, and we felt like, oh, Sitawa talking about this thing. Oh, okay, we can also do it, you know? I'm you have no idea. <laughs> I have to tell you this. I've always wanted to tell you, okay, there are two things I've always wanted to tell you. The next one will be in the question. But this oh. one is here. <laughs> the next one is here in <laughs> Um, because you you worked so tirelessly at a time when being misunderstood was up there in the scale. Right now, the misunderstanding still sort of is still there, but you know the conversations have spread a little bit more. That time, you were probably I can I can't even imagine how alone it must it must have felt um, trying to swim through this humongous ocean of you know people don't even know what you're trying to get at and you're trying to explain yourself and nobody gets looks like they're getting what you're saying so and the fact that you i don't know even where you got the courage to do that but i really i really want to say thank you thank you so much why are you making me cry on my own show (laughs) somebody had to get you at some point i know It's the first time I've cried on my own show, so... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, hmm, We did an episode (laughs) (laughs) too. Definitely. (laughs) Why? Okay. Look for tissues. (laughs) I need to... This show didn't go how I planned it. (laughs) have my manuscript here and there's no crying on the manuscript but thank you thank you um yeah so that that was that was a season in it it's on um and and i'm glad okay <laughs> i'm glad that um yeah thank you i don't wanna, i don't wanna say much I'll start crying out loud, so <laughs> I'm trying to contain, but I hear you, and thank you very much for that feedback. Um, really, really, really made everything go forever. This is me coming back. Okay, good. So, um, just, and, and related to what you just said, um, 
with regards to how hard it was and that's something I want to ask you with regards to when you posted on Facebook yes there are a lot of people who commented positively and asked for help and then was there some sort of backlash because I know for a lot of people um and maybe this is me talking from my personal experience and, and people I worked with in the beginning the backlash and just the fear especially as a man and in that quote unquote perception that men especially african men should be strong should be in charge of their feelings should be charged not just of their feelings but their families or their businesses and the things that uh they're in charge of um I'm still having feelings of what you said. I'm having a hard time getting my trails up. Um, so um, how hard was it, uh, maybe from the Facebook post or even just in your journey of doing advocacy and being a man and talking about these things that have happened to you and are still happening to you um, in comparison with that perception or narrative that an African man should be ABCD? I I am um, I get cyberbullied a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, most times by men who look like me. Uh, who say those kind of things. There's no way this can happen to a man. You're supposed to get your acts together. Um, you're just seeking attention. Mm. Uh, you know, seeking clout uh, they say all, all sorts of things and this is as as often as every time I talk about an experience I went through um, I, 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 I mean I've been public about this I went through sexual assault when I was 20 years old in the hands of a house manager or a house or a house of I don't know and um I remember the first time I talked about it in 2019. That tweet went bonkers, bonkers, and um, I was I was told all all sorts of things, all sorts of things, all sorts of things. And um, you would imagine just because such a tweet went viral, um, and the fact that this was my experience, then people would be educated about it. But then you realize that there are so many others it didn't get to. And there are so many others uh, to whom it did, but they just decided to block it and say, mm. okay, no, there's no way this can happen to a man. Um, mm. Why do you keep sharing this sad mm. story about yourself? Why has he identified? You identify with your pain so much. You can't talk about something else, you know? Um, I, but then one of the life-changing experiences, which was also unpredictable for me as well, was especially the first time I came out, um, uh, just like as it was for depression, even with the sexual assault story, men reached out to my DMs and they were telling me, brother, this happened to me when I was six, when I was 10, when I was 15. And I've never shared with a single soul, ever. And I'm 40 right now. I'm 36 right now. 
I'm 25 right now and it was my cousin it was my aunt it was my elder cousin, it was the neighbor ha ah, you know and they're saying oh I'm a pastor right now I'm a minister I'm preaching before people on altars but I, even my wife has no idea and somebody else is like oh you know me and my brother we were abused when we were young and right now we are struggling in our marriages with intimacy this is real stuff you see and some other guy i'll never forget that man he was like yo in fact the most surprising thing that guy had like only 200 followers on twitter you'd pass him for any other person just randomly and he told me he he was uh, uh some friends of his stole from him and sodomized him and left him for dead and he happened not to die so he got so mad he went and and hired goons and killers to go murder those people and he told me they will never repeat because they are now in their graves and at the time i was raising money for um the safe space for secular abused boys and men because mm-hmm. at the time i realized oh I, oh wow this is a whole pandemic of oh my gosh they this will need somewhere so that's when i created the space and they came and they just started sharing and sharing and sharing and it it's like nothing i'd ever seen in my life nothing and right now we are like brothers like brothers like brothers like this you know and so yes the the trolling is there it's insane but even as recent as um maybe a month and a half ago uh one of the biggest uh tv stations here ntv um did my story again and the trolling came back in fact uh-huh. seven times more and it was this after that after that and thank god at the time i was away on vacation so i just switched off everything uh-huh. um i was out of town but it still got to me you uh-huh. see i was really lucky to have people who are very loving around me they held uh-huh. me you know it, i didn't feel the full force of the aloneness that often comes with those kind of experiences uh-huh. so it is um you're daily on a cross every day you're on a cross you don't know when some stone will hit you mm. when you're just sitting somewhere peacefully mm. and somebody says these crazy words to you mm-hmm. um and i think what that has also quote and quote helped me do is to ground myself so strongly in my communities mm-hmm. um just so that because i know this is not work i can do alone also because it's way bigger than myself yes yes so to understand how much gone we are as a people mm-hmm. um because we have very strong binary ideas of who men ought to be women mm. ought to be women ought to be blah 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 the classism around all that as well it's very very big and my work as a storyteller is to get people questioning what they thought they always knew i question yeah thank you thank you um <coughs> my heart goes out to all those men um 
could start fine silence and as you said, I like the way you said the binaries of what we think men should be because you either or you can be on the spectrum. So it's yeah. Thank you for the work you do and, and that for me is a demographic. As much as I have and used to have men reach out to me, there's I always felt that it got to a certain extent. It, I can't really relate to some of the things, not because I didn't want to, but because of being female, there are some things I can't, to some extent, I can't relate to, I can't sort of intervene in. And so it's good to see that there's safe spaces for men. Um, and and also just relating to you talking about the cyberbullying. And, and for me, when I started is when internet, I mean, social media was still pretty new. And so cyberbullying was also pretty new. And those used to take me off completely. Like they used to wipe me out. I, I would deactivate my my social media because I just I just couldn't and again also I'm glad that you have a community people to hold you up and um for people who do not have and I left and I wrote it down your community of men it just feels like you know um a justice yeah. league or something you know I'm doing this because I can see them locking their arms and you're there your VIP protected and like come in here and you see how we'll mess with you. So uh, for people, and I'll ask this in, in two ways so that you, you'd be one, giving advice to people who are going through things and need to build that community, but also for people who can help be part of that community for someone. And so how do we create a community of men and I know it's not necessarily men to mean that or it or it has to just be men but it could have women but then how do we create that community if we are going through things how do we create that community for ourselves and also how can we be that community for someone else so if uh, if I saw you tweet or your post how can I be a community for you and also, how can I build a community for myself? Uh, I, I love this conversation around community because I feel so many people all over the world are struggling with, with trust and um, opening up because of former experiences of being, you know, uh, beaten or... Uh, heart after trusting so much there's there's a lot of pain going around and Mm. people really struggle with imagining themselves around a a space outside themselves where they feel safe you know Uh, and so I I also have to acknowledge it's not the easiest things to happen or to do because even if you have all the measures of what it takes to build a community Man, like humans still surprise you. Humans still. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we have a way. We have a way. <laughs> you know, so the element of risk is the one thing that will never go away when we are building communities. And I feel that's a very important point in helping people understand. It's not always going to be, you know, roses and flowers. Like, the LM, every day you're risking to love somebody. Mm. 
you always you always a risk you know and uh, uh so now you're of, often hoping that the risk will come with its dividends that this person will trust you back and they will uh, treat you well uh you see again the way we have been socialized as boys and this is also another very important conversation in trying to support men to create communities amongst themselves there's a research that says when boys are younger they are way intimate with each other they are very close with one another uh, but then as they move towards their adolescence years these friendships start to disintegrate uh, and one of the reasons it was giving was because at this time there is this transition the boy is uh, taking towards uh, adult uh, malehood but then now at that time the boy is trying to emulate the adult men around him right and what is he seeing in the adult men around him this competitiveness there is aggression there is um, violence and so he feels like this is what it is to be cool because also what is the entertainment uh, um, showing him that this is what the girls like this is what will earn you honor and respect this is what will earn you um, uh, leadership all right because we like a man who is stoic and does not have feelings this is who a leader must be so that we they can lead a group or a nation or whatever if they see all these representations of masculinity that uh, are equated to power in the world of entertainment then they actually want to actualize that so one time me and kevo we were really cool buddies when we were younger and we were holding hands and hugging and all that all of a sudden i want to show kevo how i'm the cooler guy than him because i want the girls to choose me mm-hmm. that is I am heterosexual right mm-hmm. um and and all of a sudden now we are we have some kind of competition with Kevo mm-hmm. you see I actually remember in my teenage there was a guy we were competing for attention for uh, from from one chick you know and so he's outdoing himself I'm outdoing myself and we were buddies before that and the friendship just goes it just goes so we did lose a lot of our connections a lot in our transitioning uh-huh. again not having very healthy male models to look up to uh-huh. was that space that gap that was there that just took us down uh-huh. if i for example so my father being uh, uh, an emotionally regulated man at home if i saw him in communities the way i saw my mother in communities where people treated each other well and they spoke about intimate things as well i would have wanted to grow toward that mm-hmm. but for many boys cases that isn't there they imagined or we often imagined that when we saw men together then it meant and they were spending time together it meant they were talking about what was important mm. and when we investment exactly and that was what was socialized to be important to us the mm. world of the outside the, the mm. external world where you're using your 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 adrenaline your testosterone and all that stuff because that is apparently what defines your masculinity mm. but then what that did because now we are coming from a incredibly binary world where you know it's male female kind of situation and so 
heteronormativity was also the thing that you know our relationships are only between men and women mm. what would happen is we would expect women or our female partners to do emotional labor on our behalf <laughs> yes, you know? yes 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 <laughs> so we end up overburdening um uh women around us starting with our mothers to our sisters mm. to the people we are seeing romantically and sexually because in the outside world we usually don't need them in the outside world we are with other boys going there fighting building business corporate world all that stuff but when it comes to the softer things all of a sudden we don't have the skills at all all of a sudden this is a woman's work i'm going to come to this person and they are going to do the work for me and now i am forcing them to do that work for me hence my insistence that i'm the head of the house because i'm actually using this person to survive uh, uh, so yeah. we any any man who wants to create a formidable community with other men we have to, these are the concepts we have to understand there's, there's a history of our socialization that was very intentional i often hypothesize that um in the world of industrialization which has the background of slavery um and future of what came to be capitalism um boys were being groomed to be uh um uh, symbols of production for like their bodies were being groomed to uh-huh. for, for as as instruments of labor you know because in the in the manufacturing industries in the age of industrialization this is the time when these binary roles started getting even harder and harder and in fact being institutionalized so now it was like the men go to work the women stay at home the men go to work to fend for food and money and all that they come back home they have these expectations that this is going to happen at home and the women also have expectations that their men are going to come home with something right uh-huh. so already there is a rift and it starts by being emotional because all of a sudden i'm from work and i'm so tired i have this expectation and i come you have missed me the whole day you need a different part of me you don't need the, that stoic part of me uh-huh. you want my softer side and i can no longer offer it because it's been stamped and trampled down when i was out trying to make a living for yeah. our family you know so we have to understand the histories in fact there are complex histories around what makes us struggle to see each other as friends and not rivals in the beginning as men Yeah, yeah yeah because everywhere men go first of all this person you feel like you are you are fearing them before you can be friends with them yeah. you know this that idea that the next man is is your competitor right and mm-hmm. so it takes a lot of emotional um groundedness to mm-hmm. to come home to yourself and this has to happen with all of us um mm-hmm. and say okay i i want it different i want it different and when mm-hmm. you want it different you find people who also want it different but you mm-hmm. have to be vocal about it you have yeah. to be very courageous about it mm-hmm. and you have to be steadfast around it as well 
you know so then now as you're building starting to think of a community you have to build these things how are you what are your principles what are your values as a person uh-huh. what kind of people do you want to surround yourself with because uh-huh. especially that is the kind of life you'll be living and by nature you're going to start finding people in the spaces you're going who look like you who mm. feel like you who respect you and then now slowly by slowly you do develop a community a community alright so um, thanks for the history lesson and 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 it's interesting as you were talking I, I, I started picturing that because then on the flip side women were quote unquote childbearing so as men were put and put production women were childbearing bodies unfortunately and so their work was to constantly i hate to use this word produce babies and you know the men would then put and put have to fend for that so um good to to know the backstory of that uh, and and also good to hear about intentionality because i think that's one thing Unfortunately, when we are building friendships or communities, we we think to I just want people around me. But then you yeah. need to go a layer deeper and say what type of people do I want around me? Because you don't want to find yourself getting lower standards from what you'd want and getting yes. value of what the type of devalue the type of life you'd like to live because of the choices you've made or not having made any choices because not making a choice is actually making a choice so yeah so thanks for that and i hope anyone listening should um will get the factor the fact that intentionality matters that you need to think about what types of people you want around you and what type of person you want to be around other people so it's it's more or less you give you get what you give you you get what you give so you give love you get love not a hundred percent of the time but a good chunk of it <laughs> that's the, that's the other important part you know again even in community things are not binary it's very important to understand mm-hmm. that uh, humans are complex the way we are also complex mm-hmm. right and uh, the one of the most important things again in uh, ensuring that communities are sustainable is to create space for repair when people wrong one another because it's going to happen mm. the uh, the lie we tell ourselves is that whoever loves us will never wrong us will never hurt us and many times people we also do that like you, mm. you wrong people unintentionally like you didn't mean to do something as long as you're going to be authentic with yourself there's some day you'll forget something mm-hmm. some day some word will come out of your mouth and you didn't mean it that way the way the other person interpreted it some day something is going to happen because you're on earth something is going to happen and yeah. so we have to create the skill of um, repairing Or, you know in our relationships just so that there can be space for grace and healing mm. that is how 
people grow sustainably otherwise the other stuff about thinking oh this romantic relationship we're going to get to this friendship we're going to get to they're all going to be 100% perfect that's a trauma response yeah, yeah. <sighs> I, I don't want to say something else because this episode is going to last till 6 o'clock <laughs> so <laughs> um Thank you, thank you very much for that. I've, I've written a couple of things down. I'm wondering what to ask, what not to ask. For sure, for sure, we are having another episode. This is me telling you. I will look for you next year, which is in nine days. So I'll look for you next year. <laughs> and we'll have a, um, a follow-up, like, a, 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 a follow-up of this. Uh, so now, as we wind down, I want to ask one last thing, and then we'll get into something I call quick fire. And so I'm telling you this now so that you can get ready. So what will happen in quick fire? I'll ask you four questions that you don't know uh, what they'll be. First thing that comes to your mind, that's the answer you give me. First thing. So if you hesitate, I know you're thinking, I don't want you to think, top of your mind. And then the fifth question will be you doing quick fire with me. Please be gentle with me. You make me cry. <laughs> this is me setting intentions for, for the question. I'm learning. I've learned. I'm a good student. I've learned to receive something today. And so be gentle with me when you ask me the question. I don't want to finish the show crying, so be good to me. Okay, I hear you. Okay, so, so before we get to the quick fire question, I just want you to speak to the men. And I know we've talked about community, we've talked about um, the journey, and I, I, I'm, I'm hoping people have learned the, the power of storytelling and sharing your story and you don't have to be a professional storyteller to share your story just start from wherever your story is your story um wherever you start wherever you end that is enough of a story to share um we've talked about building community and just being intentional with that we've also talked about some of the challenges that uh people who are sharing their stories uh go through we've talked about cyberbullying but we've also gone back to some of the solutions like building a community um you mentioned therapy and how that helped you with your journey and just being able to unpack from an african setting we've seen that you know lack of these conversations and also how we define African men or what is expected with them of them and I love you uh, repeating this um, notion of binary that we should not always think in binary we should know that uh, there's, there's room for a spectrum that you know we all live in a spectrum that it's not cold and um, hot or cold there's there's warm there's lukewarm there's somewhat cold almost cold almost warm so as we wind down, what is something you just want to tell African men listening to the show? Uh, well, I want to say many things, but again, for the sake of time. Yeah, and we have episode two, so for episode yeah. one, let me reframe the question. For episode one, <laughs> <laughs> I I want to say that. Um, especially to African men that 
there is a bigger idea of love than what we were taught. Very big. Bigger than your idea of you having to provide. Bigger than your idea of you having to be strong. Bigger than the idea of you having to be all-knowing. You're not a representative of God on earth. You don't, you, you cut yourself some slack, honestly. Your society may not cut you some slack because you represent, you present as a man. But it has to start from your inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cut yourself Allow yourself to be a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, um, calm your nerves down. Like, you need you. You This earth, for it to, to run, it needs you help. You know, so there's a bigger idea of love than what you you are taught it is. You see, and uh, probably we, we might need a whole lecture time to to break that down. But this is the work of my life to get people, men, African men or, uh, or men of black descent, to understand. We have to get outside the boxes. We have to get outside. Our freedom is in outside. It's kind of like understanding, for example, for the longest time, we know there are people who started knowing, okay, when the earth was like, people started uh, expand, expanding knowledge, we were like, oh, the earth is flat, you know? And then others discovered, oh, no, it's kind of round, you know? Then it's like, oh, there are other planets, eh? <laughs> then after the planet like ah okay there is a whole galaxy and then ah there are other galaxies you see yeah. so even with us being men there is more there is mm. more on the other side because the stuff that is endless that is out there in the universe is also the stuff that you're made of man quite literally quite literally so you don't fit in that box and that's why you're having a hard time so yeah, this is a big love. Okay, so that's that's a topic of conversation for episode two with you. We'll be discussing African men and love. We'll yes. set we'll set the date and all those <laughs> things of this, but then that is what we're going to dig deeper into the next time. So I need to write that down because I'm so excited about that. <laughs> and now. We get to quickfire. Cool. So question number one. African men are? Beautiful. Okay, good. Um, If you had all the money in the world, you will do X for mental health. I will create more mental health workshops and clinics. If you were to work with anyone in the world in creating those workshops, who would you work with? You can name as many as four people anywhere in the world. Man, they have to be my friends. Those are my buddies, my male friends here. Okay, so four <laughs> of them. I, I name them? Yes. Okay, I want to so get yes. you in trouble. All right, so there is Jagero Oduor, there is uh, Emmanuel. I know that guy. Jagero, we are really cool peeps. Say um, hi to him. He was here just over the weekend. Ah. Um, there is Ivano Mutana, who's my best friend, actually. Um, there is uh, Agak 
George, who is also really close to me. Uh, the fourth person would be um, Mike Kyoko, who uh, recently got a baby, and I'm so happy for him. Okay, okay. Um, when you hear mental health, what three words come to your mind? I see freedom. Mm-hmm. I see higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. I see community. Okay. Teach me. <laughs> now that you asked me to be gentle to you, here I go with. Uh, <laughs> Um, Please ask this question. Why are you digging very well? <laughs> you had time to think through the question you asked me for like a week. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so, this is me being very brilliant. I, I'm actually coming up with a question right now. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, in what would you need in this very moment to support your well-being? What the, the thing that you would need the most right now? Um, I'm answering your question, but just for clarity, is this thing internal or external? Oh, wow, good question. Very good question. Let's call it internal. I like the inner thing. Yeah. Um. I would say consistency. I would say consistency. Should I give context or just for good? <laughs> I want context for the next episode because they almost align with the conversation. Okay, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're just postponing trouble. It will still come to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this has been amazing, and I'm 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 being for real, for real, for real. We are doing an episode too. We're not just saying this for jokes here. Okay, good. So, where can people find you? Where can people find you dancing? Where can people um, <laughs> who want to join the Swift Spaces find you? When are you hosting your virtual? Uh, WhatsApp meetings, all those things. Please let us know. For anybody who's outside Kenya, you can uh, contact me via my website, which is onyangootieno.com. That is www.onyangootieno.com. Uh-huh. There's a contact page there, and you can just write me, and um, you know I'll, I'll get your email. If you're a social media person, you can get me on Instagram. On Instagram, my handle is rickspoet, that is R-I-X poet, Mm -hmm. just one word. And that's also the same handle for my Twitter, that is Mm -hmm. rickspoet. Facebook, the name is Onyango Otieno. Um, You search me, I'm the one with the bald head, you you won't miss me for sure. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's about the major places to to get me okay okay any so speaking, session, say that um, so the sessions or events i'm planning a, a storytelling event uh, event in nairobi early next year uh but i'm also in the process of actually writing a book 
and um, it's, it's been crazy doing this book. Um, I've been writing it in phases because uh, it's also very intimate, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I am actually like writing letters and poems to my father, you know. Uh, so that it's a very um, intimate book because I think so many men have talked to. There are certain things they want to tell their fathers, but they just can't mm-hmm. uh, because the emotional space does not exist, mm-hmm. or these fathers actually are not there physically, um, and we are angry. We are, mm-hmm. we are carrying so much anger about our fathers uh, inside us, and so I want I want men all over the world, not just African men, to have a place to place mm-hmm. their anger, to understand their anger. Um, and to know how to navigate their anger just so that they can also humanize their fathers. Um, whole process of expressing the disappointment, the pain and all that, at the end still there is a space for humanization just so that they can free themselves of their father's expectations, their father mis- father's misgivings and all that so that they can be their own men. You know, so that's it's a heavy, heavy book, but uh, I know it's necessary. It's heavy and necessary. Yeah, um, I carry out Instagram lives quite often, so just follow uh, me on Instagram. I also have a podcast um, uh, called the Afro Masculinity Podcast. Uh, there, I interrogate. <laughs> that's episode three now. Okay, let's go. <laughs> interrogate the complexities of African masculinities and so we talk about these things there um, I I try to really break down the complex context of these conversations that we are just from having here today just so that everyday man boy can understand what's really going on inside them okay 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 I have four episodes lined up so we have <laughs> African men and love um well, maybe that we can combine with the book. Uh, yeah. Next session, let's let's say this. I will do a poem and read it out loud, and you'll share a poem and read it out loud. Deal? Okay. Cool. Okay. And then we'll we'll get into Afro masculinity, the podcast, and um, yes. So we have like 20 episodes. So <laughs> I'll send you calendar invites for this next <laughs> prepare for the year. <laughs> I'm ready. You find me. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. Be sure to share with us um, any events or things that you have coming up. We have a newsletter that goes out. So um, we'll definitely put all this information in the newsletter but also um, if you have any events in the year uh, if you know when you're having your live I know sometimes with Instagram someone just decides to jump on a live but if you have one that you pre-planned you can let us know and we can put it in the newsletter and uh, see how many people we can be able to mobilize to um, come and learn more so thank you thank you very much um this has been a nice, because you're my last guest for this year. So this has been a nice way for me to end the year. I have gone back to 2012, 2013, 2014. I have cried. I have never cried. 
Thank you for the invitation. I had no idea how this was going to go, but you know, it's just surpassed my greatest expectations. I've been so happy doing this. I do this over and over with you. It's a blessing to talk to you, Sitawa, because we looked up to you forever and you were like a big sister to so many of us. So anyway, I can support and you know, use this platform to get to as many people as you can from your space as well. I'm going to do it. This is how I also get to pay you back for all the work you've done for me. So thank you.